Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by it Green. Is. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 83, yes that's 8 and 3, 83 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast and uh, no sooner had we finished last week we thought we might be in for a quiet week but no, oh no, it's been going absolutely crazy in Bengals land and here to discuss it all with me is my usual partner in crime, Nathan Palmer, hello Nathan. How you doing, Paul? Um, are you coping all right with the old lockdown as we're sort of, you know, six weeks to two months in now? How's it, how's it going over at the, the Hirons household? It's going quite well, I must say. I'm used to socially distancing myself, so this is no great stretch for me. Uh, but of course it is hard. It is hard not going out. And, but, and every time I do go out, I get really stressed because seemingly every trip to the shops is like some sort of, has to be some sort of military precision manoeuvre do you know what I mean and uh, just seeing the amount of people on the streets and the amount of shops that have now opened it's kind of like oh goodness me what's going on you struck me as a sort of guy that'd be running like an underground poker club at the moment you know with some sort of <laughs> secret two knocks on the door like come down the you know cheeky side passage and you know a nice card game going on downstairs with a few whiskey cocktails but obviously not you're a man that's um brave in the supermarkets it sounds like yeah, I am a little bit. I'm not a poker man. I know you are, but I'm oh. I'm not a poker man at all. I've never been I've into that. reignited my passion for poker during the lockdown. It's sort of you know everyone's sort of getting into their own things, aren't they? But yeah. I used to play quite a lot back at uni, but now sort of starting to starting to remember the ropes, as you as you'd say. One thing I have noticed, uh, and I'm doing quite a lot, is is writing the word cock down instead of lockdown. My <laughs> predictive text on the phone. Is going nuts, and it's like, when have I ever written cock down? Ever is that even a word? I don't know why it's <laughs> substituting uh, cock down for lockdown. So that's one embarrassing thing. Thankfully, I haven't sent a text to my mother yet uh, with that on. So um, yeah, that's an unusual side effect of, of lockdown. But all in all, I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Hope all our listeners are too. Um, but as I mentioned in the intro. Um, it's been quite a week, really. Um, this time last week, Andy Dalton was still a uh, Cincinnati Bengals player. We, we've been speculating as to what might happen to uh, to 14 in the coming weeks. We knew that a decision was going to be made. And all of a sudden, it just happened really quickly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we talked about the beginning of a new era um, with the drafting of Joe Burrow. And I think now it's really the end of... An era with the departure of Andy Dalton, um, and like you said, it's crazy to be sat here at the podcast last week talking about Dalton and his future. And you know, barely a week on, he's now a member of another team, which is a really just how quickly things can happen in the NFL. You know, one minute you've got someone, and the next minute they're playing, um, you know, thousands of miles away. It's a really crazy business out there. Yeah, I agree. We'll talk a, a little bit more, well, quite a lot more about Andy Dalton, as you can imagine. Uh, in a few seconds but let me just tell you what's coming up we've got another pack show for you uh, in this off season we had another terrific watch party to celebrate uh, in part Andy Dalton's uh, time at the Bengals at the weekend 
we played out the uh, Ravens versus Bengals game from 2015, which is terrific fun. Uh, you know, the 80-yard touchdown to AJ and all that kind of stuff. Um, we will be waxing lyrical about Andy Dalton, in, in, as I say, in a few seconds. We also, as uh, as is traditional on this podcast, we will have our very own tribute song to Andy Dalton called 14. So, um, so that's something to, to look forward to. It is. It's a good one. It's another good one, I think. Uh, and we also have a special guest. Uh, it is the ex-Purdue linebacker, the, one of the newest recruits for the Bengals. It's uh, linebacker Marcus Bailey. Uh, he'll be joining us a little bit later. But let's let's go back to Dalton, Nathan. Um, it is weird, isn't it? Because uh, I, I've said it before. It, when you sort of grow up with someone, a lot of our a lot of our British listeners uh, only know Andy Dalton as a quarterback, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's it, this kind of thing when a sports person moves on from a team who they've been a part of for a long time. It's quite an emotional thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I when we had Carson Palmer on the podcast last week, I mean, I remember, you know, he was the quarterback here for a long time. And when he moved on, uh, the idea of following a new quarterback was really, you know, quite bizarre. Um, and I know a lot of Bengals fans in the UK and abroad, you know, that those are the younger variety or some of the older variety that have grown up watching Dalton and him being their quarterback. I think it's going to be really strange for them um, you know, moving on completely with a new quarterback like Joe Burrow. I mean, we tasted last season a bit of Ryan Finley and saw Dalton get benched. But I think him actually leaving and now being a member of the Dallas Cowboys is going to be a really, you know, crazy experience. And not only, you know, him not being in Cincinnati, but actually watching him in Dallas play for the Cowboys, you know, if he gets a chance anytime this year, that's going to be a, a crazy time, really, mate. Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, the love that was shown for Andy uh, when the announcement, well, first of all, the announcement that he was going to be released was quite extraordinary, really. There was a lot of heartfelt stuff out there, lots of fantastic video tributes, lots of tweets and social media love for Andy. And it just kind of shows you how respected he was. And I mean, it was lovely to be reminded just how how much of an impact he made both on and off the field uh, in Cincinnati. Because, you know, there are detractors out there. There are people who uh, never thought he was a decent quarterback. Uh, people thought, like me, I'm going to be honest, who thought he was an above-average quarterback but a really good guy. And people who thought he was a great quarterback and a great guy. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he was a great guy. And just seeing some of his foundation work and... And uh, the reaction on from the Daltons themselves, uh, both Andy and Jordan on social media, very emotional uh, and very heartfelt uh, messages to fans and followers. So, so we, we were kind of reading from that, and then uh, lots of the speculation started. You know, where where was he going to go? Was could it be Jacksonville? Could it? B, the Patriots. And then suddenly names like the Bills were kind of being thrown in there. And then suddenly the Steelers were thrown in, in, in right into the pot, uh, which would have been extraordinary. And then out of the blue, it was announced that he was going to be uh, joining the Dallas Cowboys, staying in Texas, joining the Cowboys on a one-year, seven million deal. What, was your, what were your reactions to that? 
very, very surprised. I don't think many people would have pipped Dallas as the landing spot for Dalton. Um, but it, when you think more about it, it does make a lot of sense. The Cowboys are trying to get a deal done with Dak Prescott, and I think that gives them a little bit of leverage. And I think for Andy Dalton, the human, you've talked a lot about his charitable work and him as a person and the sort of guy that he is. And I think for his, his family's sake, I'm not trying to say for a second that he doesn't want to win, but for him, he wants to go back to his home in Texas, be around his family and not you know, disrupt his, his life too much. And I, all the best to him. You know, I think... I think it's an interesting landing spot for him. The Cowboys have got a very good team. If Dak Prescott was to get hurt or if he was to play badly, there's a good chance that Dalton could have success there. Um, you know, he'll be on a contender. Of course, it's surprising. And I think more than anything else, I'm just happy that he didn't end up with the Steelers. But um, I'd have liked to have seen him in New England. I mean, I really don't like the Patriots, but I think he would have had a real... It would have been interesting to see him start and really get the the starting gig there but I think Dallas is a good spot for him um, and I'll really be interested to see how it plans out do you think he's going to challenge Prescott because to me I was thinking about it I kind of I did think maybe the Cowboys or the Texans might be involved because he's been in Texas this whole kind of lockdown by the looks of it he's a Texas boy uh, why not with all the uncertainty with the the pandemic and he might just be, you know, it might just be best taking a, a kind of a, a one-year backup position close to home and then reassess where things are next year. So it didn't. It was a surprise, but not a huge surprise to me um, uh, last week. But uh, but you know, who's to say he's not going to uh, challenge Dak Prescott? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing with Dalton. I was thinking about this earlier and having a bit of a. Yeah, I sat there, son. You know, a bit, you know, a bit bored at work, and I thought, you know what? Like, I'll have a few minutes. And I thought about Andy Dalton, and I thought, you know what? It's hard to know what you're getting with Dalton. Mm. It's really, really difficult because if you look back through his years, like last year and the year before that, all Bengals fans know that our offensive line last year and especially the year before that was pretty appalling. Uh, we've had a lot of injuries. Dalton himself was hurt towards the back end of. Um, 2018, when he wasn't having a you know terrible year, he wasn't bad. Um, he started off last year extremely, extremely well for the first couple of games before I think injuries took their toll. And obviously, you know, he didn't have AJ Green at all last year, and for the majority of 2018. And it's not too long before that that he was having you know incredible success back then. I mean, he's always had quarterback ratings in sort of the mid 80s to. You know, he had 106 in 2015 at you know his highest quarterback rating to date. And you do just wonder if with a, with a decent crop of receivers, a decent offensive line and a clean bill of health himself, he really has the potential to be a top half quarterback. Um, he's only 32. You know, he's got certainly another four or five years left in the bank uh, bank playing at high level. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what you've got with him. And I think if you look at the contract that he's got from Dallas, I think you said earlier, seven million. I mean, for a guy that's a starting quarterback, I mean, he'll be better than some of the starters that you know, in, around the league um, going into next year. I think that's a hell of a deal um, for a guy like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think if, it, you know, you look at Prescott's contract situation, his own inconsistent play, I always thought Dak Prescott should be miles better than he is. Uh, he's got the athleticism and the arm and everything. But what Dalton does get, give you is a certain amount of steadiness. And behind the Cowboys offensive line that's going to be interesting and then you've kind of got 
the Cowboys receivers, Cooper, the rookie, C.D. Lamb, you know. That, that's going to be interesting, I think. And it's going to be really, really interesting for, for Dalton. So I think that's a, a cool landing spot for him. And obviously, I think he's... I'm sure he's like super excited to play in his home state. That's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so good luck to him, really. Um, I think it's it's going to be an interesting time to see... Well, it's going to be weird for a start seeing him in a different uniform. Um, and of course, we're due to play the Cowboys this yeah, season. Well, what sort of response do you think you'll get coming back into Paul Brown? If he was, for whatever reason, starting for the Cowboys, do you think it would be overwhelmingly positive? Or do you think there'd be any boos? Or how do you, you know, do you think... It- how do you think that would shake out? I don't think he's going to get the reception that Carson Palmer got when he came back with the Raiders that year. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think you'll get a good one. He didn't really do anything to piss anyone off in Cincinnati. Quite the opposite, you know. I think, again, with a bit of distance, people who didn't particularly like him will know that... I mean, just looking at the stuff that he did for the city, for a start. And I know that charitable work and being a nice guy doesn't equal success on the field um but you factor in everything there's no reason why he shouldn't get a standing ovation really no i agree I, i'd be i think regardless of if fans thought he was the, you know thought he was the the real answer uh, quarterback i think they'll respect the fact like you said of what he's done for the city the person he was and you know the, he's he's been a real even on the way out he posted a video on his instagram today um, you know, saying thank you to the yeah, fans for his cool. time Cincinnati. Really nice video, really nice touch. You can tell that him and his family love the city and the people and respect the, the time they've had here. And I think, I think it'd be a really nice touch to see him come back. And I, I hope he gets some playing time in Dallas for whatever reason. I think that it'd be really cool to see him on a really good team. I mean, Dallas have got some fantastic players, and I think if Dalton was to you know head that team up, I'd be I'd be very excited to see how they got on. Obviously, with the new head coach now. Uh, Mike McCarthy. It'd be a, you know, it'd be an interesting time if he if he got a start over there. No, oh, I agree. And uh, the Dallas team kind of reminds me a little bit about with of the 2015 team at the Bengals. Great offensive line, great weapons, great running back. Um, hmm, it's, it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Anyway, as mentioned earlier, it's traditional to. Uh, on this show to sing a song a tribute song for people who are leaving or coming or just for the hell of it but this is quite a significant uh exit people I think. who are coming did you say so? i did i've glossed over that quite quickly thanks for, for bringing that up um yes it's quite a traditional uh, i mean this is quite a, a significant exit i think from the team so here's our tribute song to andy dalton Beyond compare, a strong right arm with ginger hair, throwing balls downfield to AJ Green. Marvin Jones and Mo Saloon, Tyler Eiffel, Carter Feud, but please don't throw to Brandon, take 14. With a Texan shout, you can explain, 
audible, so loud and plain, all the team could hear Paul Fourteen. Pre-snap, pre-dive, quick release, touchdown passes did increase, so the Pilates did you good Fourteen. There we go. That is a uh, tribute song to Andy Dalton. 14. Nathan, what do you think? Man, I, I, I love your creative ways with this son. Always, you know, making sure that the Cincinnati players get their get their beautiful, beautiful exit. Um, not sure if it tops mullet B, though. We'll have to let the uh, the viewers or the listeners decide. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I think it's up there with mullet B. I'm really happy with, uh, with uh, 14. And thanks to... Uh, the group who contributed lyrics and when I say the group with people like Jamie and Matt Moon and Tom McDowell and Andrew Dockrell and all sorts of people chipped in Mike Smith and uh, many thanks to Daisy my friend Daisy who uh, sang it for us because quite obviously I can't get up to Dolly Parton's range at all uh, so uh, thank you to Daisy for sparing my blushes um, Still got a bit of time to talk about Andy Dunn. What 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 does he mean to you, Nathan? What will you remember most about him? What's his what's his legacy for you? Do you think? That's a great question. I mean, I remember when he when he joined in the league, and I, I, the the biggest thing for me was I remember when Carson Palmer left, and it was a really dark time to be a Bengals fan. You felt like you'd lost a great player. It was an ugly fallout. The fans were half divided, half of them really frustrated with the ownership, half really frustrated with Carson Palmer and a bit of mixture between both. And with the Bengals that year having fairly, you know, a fairly high draft pick, I think inside the top five, you get AJ Green, who I think was regarded as probably the best receiver coming out with Julio Jones, and then getting Dalton in the second round. And before Dalton, there was a number of quarterbacks that went uh, went ahead of him that year. There was Christian Ponder, Jake Locker. Um, Roy Mallett. Yeah, Ryan Mallett. Um, Timmy Mallett. It was that geezer, Jimmy Clausen. Um, was he? The, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure he was that year. 
there was a real load of duds that went in front of him. And Dortmund in the second round, about the fifth quarterback off the board or something silly like that, you sort of felt, oh, I don't know, like, you know, is this guy really going to come in um, and start? Like, you know, that's a sort of big thing. And I think a few people were saying, oh, you know, he's one of the more NFL-ready quarterbacks, but that he might have a bit of a sort of limited ceiling, etc. And when he comes in, him and a you know, rookie-wide receiver, wide receivers often take a while to get into the league, and then you had a rookie quarterback. Um and I'm pretty sure that was the year when there was the, what was that, that holdout, wasn't it? Where yeah, there was, there was yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a limited off-season. And literally every single pundit out there was absolutely sticking their knives into the Bengals, saying that the Bengals weren't going to win a game. They were un, un, unanimously going to be the worst team in the league, and it was a complete disaster. I remember the Bengals coming out fighting that year and being and watching the first couple of games with Dalton and thinking, bloody hell, we've done a good job there. And he, for years, for four, five, six years in a row, made us a highly relevant, galvanised, fun team to watch that went to the playoffs multiple times and through no fault of his own sometimes, um, you know, couldn't get us over there. I mean, I always go back to that Steelers game when, you know, they had that fourth down after the Jeremy Hill fumble and Antonio Brown drops that ball or whatever happens and you think Andy Dalton gets that win um, they move forward in the very good chance that, you know, the Bengals, you know, his time in Cincinnati is looked upon differently. He may still be with the team now. You know, you never know how differently things could have gone. Um, and I just think he, he gave us a really good era of being fans, a fun time, lots of wins, lots of great games, as you know, like you've been doing on the uh, the watch parties that we've seen. Um Nothing but fond memories. A shame at the end. I think the last two or three years through like, you know, from that thumb injury to the injury the season before to the, you know, the poor offensive line play and consistency of the team. Um, and obviously the change in coaches and various changes in offensive coordinators. I think it's the last three or four years. I think things just got a little bit stale and, you know, slowly regressed to a point. I think we knew that we had to move on. But um yeah, I just not nothing but positive feelings to be honest with you, mate. But well, what about yourself? I know you've ne- you've always sort of rated Dalton, but perhaps not as highly as others. But how would you sort of characterise his time in Cincinnati? No, I, I agree with you. If you look back at that 2011 draft, uh, only Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor remain from that class. And as you say, there was a lot of quarterbacks that went before, a few afterwards. But I think I think it's a great compliment and testament to the to the man, uh, his skill and fortitude that he's still around. He's still a he's still an NFL player. Uh, it's just quite remarkable, really. I don't think many people would have picked Andy Dalton to be that person to stick around ten years later. You know, um, as for play, I think he was a good player. Uh, I think he was inconsistent at times. But you know, you've got to put it into perspective most nfl quarterbacks are they do you know what i mean they have we're stuck in our bengals bubble and it's so easy to criticize and kind of pour over every throw or pass and not every errant pass is down to the quarterback it could be uh the the, the defense obviously you've got to give a lot of credit to the defense but also um Wide receivers not running their routes properly, protections being changed up. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, but I do think on the very, on the very, very, very big throws during the very, very big games, he didn't quite do it. And um, 
But then again, how many quarterbacks do? You know, you're talking like two or three in the league that make every bullseye in every crucial situation. So I, you're just looking at the figures. You know, he's broken records in Cincinnati. He's broken Ken Anderson's records in Cincinnati, who's a future Hall of Famer. Um, you know, I think him and AJ are the 12th most productive quarterback wide receiver duo in NFL history. When you look at the figures, and Andy Dalton has had a really good career in Cincinnati. He's been to three Pro Bowls. There's no, there's no denying it. There's absolutely no denying it. Has he been the best quarterback we've ever had? No. Has he had a really good career in Cincinnati? Absolutely. And then you factor in the type of guy he is, uh, you know, his, his kind of foundation work and charity work. Then as a whole, you've got to say, we've been really lucky to have had Andy Dalton in uh, in Bengal stripes, you know. Um, uh, and like you said, that 2015 will always be remembered. The way he kind of transformed, he was transformed into kind of Andy Dalton to the red rifle, this kind of spiky hair, you know, he did his hair differently, didn't he? And he appeared on the cover of magazines and suddenly he was like the red rifle. And that was just brilliant to watch, you know. He, he was getting some serious uh, kudos and pats on the back and um, he totally deserved it. The, the real shame is that he didn't quite carry it on um, yeah. for whatever reason. I think there are lots of different reasons why he didn't carry it on. Um, but, yeah, on the whole, you know, lucky to have had him. He has had a really good career and um, wish him nothing but the best, really. I, th I think I think I completely agree with you, son. It's well articulated, and I think the one thing with Dalton that was always interesting during his time in Cincinnati, and I've said this a bit in the past, he was a very understated quarterback. Like you know, quarterbacks you always think as sort of the uh, the rock star position of the NFL, and you've got real characters out there that get a lot more um, face time in the media than people like Andy Dalton, and you you know you look at people like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Pete, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady. All these guys are sort of at the the forefront and you know you talk about cam newton but you know you're always talking about cam newton and his fancy hats and bow ties and his all this you know controversy that surrounds him in press conferences and stuff like that and with dalton it was he was just a true professional he never did anything that exciting he wasn't the most crazy guy in the world he was never making um any sort of controversial statements in press conferences he was just a guy that got about his business played to a fairly high standard i think I would say at one point in his career, he probably would have been considered a top uh, top 10 quarterback and then very often sort of fluctuated between that sort of 10 to 16 mark in and around that period. Um, but just, I think, really understated. And I think the media sort of left him alone and he just sort of meandered on, really. And I think I'll be interested. I Just the one thing I'll be interested to see is how much he's got left in that tank. In a new environment, um, new setting, if he gets a chance... And he can gel and he's got a good team around him. I just am so intrigued to see what he's got left because I wouldn't mind betting that he's got, you know, a reasonable run left in him. Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've spoken about on this podcast before that people have only ever seen Andy Dalton in prime time in the wider NFL watching audience. And of course he hasn't got a great record in prime time. So they've only seen him play, generally speaking, quite poorly. Um yeah. And he's not this kind of big mouth, swaggery guy. He's just, uh, well, he's, he's, he, and this is not damning him with faint praise. This is a compliment. You know, he's as normal as you're likely to get, you know. And um, I don't think, you know, that, that doesn't excite headline writers or journalists or, 
or even NFL fans who just want this kind of boom or bust guy chucking it down the field or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Uh, what they're getting with Andy Dalton is a pretty solid character. And, uh, yeah, I mean, God, if Dak doesn't do very well in the first couple of three games, I think it could be Andy Dalton time. And as you say, in a, in a much bigger market team with the focus, the national focus on him, uh, with a with a with a strong cast of skill players around him. Not that he never had that in Cincinnati. Quite the opposite, but certainly at the moment, you know, the offensive line, the the receivers, the running back. I mean, it's going to be quite interesting, Dallas. I think. Yeah, I mean, Dallas have got some serious weapons. I mean, you know, you talk about Mari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and the strong offensive line. They're they're going to be a real, real good team. And I think that, you know, with Dalton. Like you said, we've had some great weapons over the years, but in the last two years especially, that offensive line play and losing A.J. Green for the majority of the season has really hampered Dalton. And I think any quarterback, certainly any mid-range quarterback with the sort of talent that the Bengals have had in the last couple of years, relying on you know guys that are, would usually be backups to fill starter positions, I think any starter would struggle. Um, you know, with people like John Ross out of the lineup, Green out of the lineup, and you know, Tyler Eifert struggling to play over the last couple of years. I think I think Dalton really was hampered in the last couple of years with the talent around him. I mean, he's a classy guy. He'd never come out there and say that. But I'm sure behind the scenes, his agent's saying, look, you put some good talent around this guy, as they've got in Dallas. Seven million is a bargain for a guy that, if Dak Prescott goes down, will be the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, and if any, like I said, if anything happens, you've got no excuses as to why Andy Dalton can't you know, take that team on a deep playoff run. So I think for Dallas, they've got to be absolutely elated to get someone of that caliber to be their backup. I mean, you look at the Bengals, and I know that you're, you've got some correspondence coming up sort of talking a bit about the backup quarterback position. But for us now, you, you know, you look at the difference between our backup in Ryan Finley and Dallas's backup in Andy Dalton, and you, we all know the, the golfing talent between those two. So... It's going to be, you know, one for us to consider as well now with that void left behind. Yes, I agree with you. So, you know, what can we say? Uh, thank you to Andy Dalton and uh, many, as I mentioned, many British Bengals fans only know Andy Dalton as their quarterback. So uh, it's it's very strange. Um, but thank you for everything, Andy, and best I'm sure he's listening. Uh, thank you. Uh, for everything that you've done on the field and off it and uh, good luck to you and your family in Dallas now um, it's weird isn't it as I say when uh, you know players come and they go and they move on and then a new set of players comes in and we have one of those new sets of players for you right now and now it's time for our special guest and this week we're talking to one of the Bengals' newest recruits. It's ex-Purdue linebacker Marcus Bailey. Marcus, welcome to Cincinnati. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on this podcast to um, you know allow the UK fan base to get to know me a little bit better. This is just like a pretty unique uh, experience. You know, obviously, I just just getting drafted mm. to the professional play professional sports but i've never been interviewed by someone from the uk before so this is it this is well there you go uh good start we're, we're pleased to pop your cherry marcus um <laughs> <laughs> well we're very pleased to have you on board um it must be a surreal and exciting experience for you not i mean not least talking to a strange little fan group about five thousand miles away but i'm talking more about the the fact that 
you are now a professional football player, right? Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. You know, it's it is very surreal. I don't I don't think it's really set in yet. Um, partly because of the uh, the pandemic that we're experiencing, we're not able to actually be in person and um, you know actually get to practice how how uh, we would normally be if it was a regular year. So um, I think I think that will come with time, but it's it's obviously very surreal. I'm very excited. Hmm. And you're coming back to Ohio as well, which must be crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm from Ohio. I was born in Dayton, Ohio. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Cincinnati is only an hour and a half away, about from from where I, where, my, where I live at. So a lot of my family is very excited. A lot of my friends are very excited. I'm very excited. So <laughs> um, now you were picked up in the seventh round, as we know. We don't have a draft in our sports over here. Uh, so we have no idea what that process is like. Do you get warnings or predictions from your agent or other people where you might go in the draft in terms of rounds? And and you know if if so, what were you thinking when it came to the seventh round and your name was still yet to be called? Were you nervous? Were you kind of chill about it? What was your kind of feeling? Talk us through the process, because I think we've never had anyone on this podcast before. Kind of just really give us an idea of how nerve-wracking it is, how insane it is, how hyped it is. Yeah, just give us a little insight, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Well, I mean, okay, so like going into your draft year, so going into my senior year, uh, you kind of already have an idea of what the the um, linebacker crop is going to be like for that year. So, I mean, going into the season before I got injured, I, I had been told or I've uh, been reading that I could be a potential second round, third round pick. Um, so that that was kind of like my my idea going into the draft process. And then, of course, the injury happened. And then, um, you know, fast forward past the combine when uh, the you know COVID-19 pandemic started, that kind of um, that kind of made made the draft process a little more difficult for, for someone like me that's coming back from an injury. Um so, I mean, long story short, going into the draft weekend, I I had been told by uh, scouts I'd been, I'd been talking to because they're allowed to interview you. They were, um, you know, they would do FaceTime, Zoom interviews like this, and uh, there certain teams would talk to you and say that they would give you like a an idea of where they would be on, on their board. Or uh, my agent would talk to coaches and talk to GMs, and he would get an idea of where I would be on the board. And the general consensus was going into the weekend, I I kind of thought I would go between the fourth and fifth round, um, like, you know, third, there was a potential for third, but, uh, you know, third to fifth round is what I thought. So when, when, um, the fourth and fifth round were fin- went through and I, I didn't hear my name called, I did start to get, get pretty nervous. I uh, definitely was not chill. Um, it was, it, you know, quickly turned into, to one of the more stressful and agonizing days. And I'm just sitting there as the whole sixth round goes by, uh, just waiting for my phone. I have my phone like on my lap. I'm like grabbing onto a chair in front of me, just rocking back and forth, like rocking back and forth, <laughs> just, just waiting, just waiting for it to light up. And um, it's actually, you know, it's kind of kind of funny. There there were a few teams that called me before Cincinnati gave me the call. And when I got the first call by by a team, I thought I was going to get drafted by that team. But, you know, they they just wanted to be the first one to get ahead in free agency. And then a few other teams did that too. So then, then it was just like, I was getting prank called. I'm like, okay, like what's, what's actually going on here? Like what, I just keep getting calls. And then that's, by the time it was like the second, third team, I'm like, hello, like, are you going to draft me? Like, you know, like basically like, um, 
but it was funny. I was actually on the phone with with the Dolphins, and they were talking to me about maybe trying to put my name in for a, a pick in the seventh round, or if not, they wanted they wanted to sign me with free agency. And as I was on the phone with them, I saw that Cincinnati was about to be up next on the clock, and then I got a, a phone call from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I just hung up on Miami. Just hung up on them. <laughs> just hung up on them because. Because at that point, I just I just needed to get drafted, and um, you know I had been speaking with the, the Bengals coaches throughout the you know throughout the course of the pre-draft process, and um, I know that they they told me they were excited about me and they would draft me if they had the chance to. So uh, I got on there, and it was Coach Zach Taylor, and um, he said, um, you know, Marcus Bailey, this is Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we're going to submit your name here with the pick as that sound. And I was just and at that moment, I was just um, you know, overcome with 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 relief and. Um, you know, happiness and excitement that I was going to get drafted and I was going to fulfill my childhood dream of getting drafted to the NFL and, um, you know, excited about a new opportunity, new beginnings. So, Marcus, um, it'd be great to get to know a bit more about, like, a bit more about you as a player. Um, I've got a friend who's a Purdue fan and he said to me, I asked him about you and your playing style and some of your, like, key traits. Um, and he said, you are hard-nosed, solid tackler, always around the ball, making plays, um, tough and strong with a high football IQ. Is that something you agree with? And could you give the fans a bit of, you know, an insight to what they're going to see in Cincinnati from you? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with those. Those are all very positive statements. Um, I think, you know, like you said, very tough, very smart, very hardworking. Those are things that are going to be a consistent daily basis regardless. That's just the baseline. But I think things that, that are going to set me apart um, it's my ability to to process, like having quick processing speed, uh, picking up the game quickly. Um, my instincts, my ability to get off blocks. I feel like I have a really good knack and feel for getting off blocks in different positions, to be able to get to the ball. And then I feel like I, I was a really good inside blitzer, uh, pass rusher, and in, in throughout my career at Purdue. So uh, I'm not sure, you know, how if the if the Bengals plan to use that or put me in put me in situations where I can highlight that, but that's something that, you know, I, I had success with at Purdue. So um, I think those, those really set me apart. Good stuff. And like you mentioned before about you had some contact with the Bengals in the lead up to the draft and some of the coaches were on the phone. Like just talk us through that experience with the Bengals. Who, who did you speak to in the lead up? Cause I, I think you were meant to be at the senior bowl, weren't you? But I'm not sure with the injury, if you made it there, but like how, what was your relationship with the coaches like leading up to the draft? Yeah, so I mean, I I would have went to the Senior Bowl if um, you know if I didn't get injured, but I didn't get to, and I know that the Bengals coaching staff had was the was the coaching staff for one of those teams, so I missed out on that opportunity to you know, interact with the Bengals coaches. But after the combine, well, actually, my first interaction was with Coach Mark Duffner. He's um, a senior defensive assistant, um, and he kind of works with you know works with linebackers, works with sandbackers and stuff. And I met with him at at the combine um, in like informal style, and he has a pretty good relationship with my agent too. So that was kind of the first introduction. And then since the combine, he would you know he would call me, would talk um, maybe like once a week or so. And then I got a chance to speak with Coach Al Golden a few times leading up uh, to the draft as well. So it was really just those two coaches that that I talked to, probably a combined like five or six times. Okay. Good stuff. And obviously, you know, coming into the Bengals locker room, there's some great players in the NFL there. You've got, you know, obviously, uh, Geno Atkins, AJ Green, Carlos Dunlap. 
um, newly signed DJ Reader, and obviously um, number one overall pick Joe Burrow. Are there any players on the current roster that you're really looking forward to playing with that you've seen and that you're excited to get in the locker room with? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, any of these guys, I'm gonna come in. I'm coming as a rookie, very you know, inexperienced. You know, I've had success at the college level, but um, you know, I'm I'm just looking forward to being around guys that that have been successful in this league um, and learning from them and being a sponge and soaking it all in. Um, I know we just signed a a linebacker free and free agency, uh, Austin Calitro. He's also with my agency and Logan Wilson. We're all with the, we all have the same agent, so it's like mm. it's kind of like. We all have the we're all the Carrick Sports, Carrick Sports Bengal boys. We're all out here at linebacker. So uh, I'm excited. I mean, I know he's been he's had he's had success in the league, and then um, you know I'm I'm really just excited to meet meet everyone. Uh, I mean, we we have to mention the injuries, uh, Marcus, because I mean I watched you on 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 YouTube last week, and honestly, I mean you I saw you blitzing like a nutcase. Sacking the quarterback, dropping back into coverage, intercepting passes—you can do it all, man. Um, and that game against Ohio State in 2018, when you had that 40-yard pick-six and 15 tackles—that was that. I mean, if anybody wants to watch some of your stuff, go and search for that. That that it was just an outstanding game. Um, but then the injuries. Um, how do you? I mean, it must take some real guts and determination to come back from not one, but two ACLs. What was the mindset? How deep did you have to dig? And what was the motivation for carrying on? Yeah. I mean, my first injury was all the way back in 2015. Uh, and that was my, my was my freshman year. That was my first time having a, a serious injury where I was going to miss significant time. Um, so that that was probably a lot harder than coming back this time because I didn't even know, I didn't know about the process of rehab and how I'd be able to come back. But, um, you know, I was able to quickly shift and focus on, you know, keep the, keep the big vision and the big goal in mind. And, um, you know, there was nothing like there was, I couldn't control it at that point. The only thing I could control was, was how I responded to it. So I was able to come back and, you know, ever since I you know started as a redshirt freshman, I started every game from started 40 games, and uh, had a very successful career. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I tore my ACL going into this year. I mean, uh, week two this year. And, um, you know, it was devastating because because of, like I mentioned earlier, you know, going into the season, I was supposed to be a top, you know, one of the top backers drafted. And, um, you know, I missed my senior year and all that kind of stuff. So it was devastating. But I didn't really have time to be devastated because I had to quickly figure out what, like, what my next moves were because, I mean, I still – my my dream and my goals didn't stop like, you know, and I couldn't change the fact that I tore my ACL. So now I just had to figure out how to get back. And so like the, literally like the day after I was already figuring out like who maybe I was going to sign with, um, who, where I was going to get my surgery at, where I was going to train at. Mm. So it's really just about, uh, you know, having a, a quick switch and keeping the, keeping your, keeping my goals and my dreams in sight and not letting any, any obstacles or any adversity, uh, get in the way. And, um, you know, it's you have to have consistency and you have to be mentally tough to do it. But I just had to push through and have belief and have uh, you know have faith that I was gonna it was gonna work out in my favor in the end. And and I guess the big question on every Bengals fan's uh, lips at the moment: How are you doing physically? What's what's the latest? I'm feeling, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm 
I've been cleared to do full football movements right, okay. for about for about a month now. Mm. I've been I've been with our NFL group at the facility I train at here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, that's where I did my my pre draft process and everything. But I've continued to stay out here because of uh, Ohio being shut down to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, but I've, I've been you know fully reactive, you know no limitations, um, and I was I was planning on being ready to go full go and compete during during rookie mini camps so that's just to give you guys an idea like i was going to be ready to go now so i'll definitely be ready to go you know when it comes from time to play games well as i say we can't wait to see you in strides many congratulations on being drafted um and and stay safe over there because we want to see you in stripes and of course we'll carry on watching your tiktok workout videos uh for some oh. handy <laughs> tips <laughs> um hey, hey. I have a few more. Hey, I got a few more on the way. I, I got, I got some ideas, man. I'm about to, about to start blowing up on TikTok a little bit. We'll see. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> listeners out there, follow Marcus on TikTok because he's got some unusual workout videos. I think is the best way to describe them. But uh, and they're great. I think fun it's as really well. good. That's how, how I got myself drafted. Those workouts every day. Well, I've started like opening and closing the oven, uh, kind of in rhythmic style. So hopefully, I'll get up to that level of fitness yeah, as well. you, should try, you should try it out you should do a duet with me and put it on there okay man <laughs> all right marcus seriously thanks so much for the time best of luck we're all going to be rooting for you you've got fans five thousand miles away as weird as that sounds so best of luck and uh thanks for the time again yeah top man marcus thank you so much for coming on really appreciate your time buddy hey it's my pleasure man uh let's go who day so there we go that was marcus bailey the seventh round pick out of purdue uh, what a very nice man, uh, Nathan. Yeah, top geezer. Good, you know, good fun, and obviously, you know, we've, uh, as you said, my son popped his cherry in terms of uh, <laughs> being the first UK interview that he's done, and hopefully, um, that'll be the first of many for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, those sorts of stories, though. A guy that's that's kind of done his ACL in on both knees, and still has the grit and determination to come back, and. Uh, and, and manages to get drafted by hooker by crook, and now he's got a real. And now he says he's healthy. He's got a real shot, and those are the kinds of guys that you really root for. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll have, he'll have a chip on his shoulder, and I, that's what you want. You want a guy. I and mean, he was saying in the interview that they had him projected as like a possible second, third round pick based on his talent when healthy, and. He would have worked extremely hard, as he said, and he will want to get back into. You know, back into that starting spot, um, making some plays and proving a point as to that he's got better talent than all these other teams that passed on him thought. So I'm excited. I think it's always good when you get a player with potential like that in the seventh round and you're not just sort of playing it safe back then. So I'd rather go boom bust there with guys like that than um, than not. So, yeah, all the best to him. And obviously, you know, it definitely seems like a high character fun guy that'll be a good person and a good addition to the locker room so fingers crossed for the for the geezer and that linebacker room has been transformed um because we've signed another one this week haven't we yeah and you know what's weird getting is austin calitro it was a fantastic name mm. um i think we were top of the waivers priority list and we snagged him there i think there were a lot of other teams that actually put in a claim on him um, and the weird thing was, is when I was we, we were preparing for the interview with Marcus Bailey, I was looking at some scout reports of him coming out of college. 
And one NFL uh, insider said that the player they reminded he reminded them of was Austin Calitro, oh, wow. which okay. I think is extraordinary, really, because it's not like Austin Calitro is really like a um, you know like a one of the biggest well-known linebacker names in the NFL. And I think for them to make that comparison and then hear Marcus Bailey in the interview say they share the same agent. You know, is there is there a conspiracy theory here, son? That I'm, that I I'm... do not know. You're gonna to have to word with him. Um, yeah, do you think his agent perhaps is giving that information to NFL.com? And like, I don't quite know. Probably. Let's face it. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. Uh, and before we get to our correspondences, because we've got a lot, as you would imagine, in you know, it's a big, it's a big week in Bengals history with Andy moving on, and uh, there's a lot of people who wanted to pay tribute, their own tribute to him and uh, we'll get to that in a second another piece of news this week John Ross's fifth year option declined you surprised nope no I neither I I think it was I think it was extreme like extraordinary amount of money that it would have taken to sign Ross and even though he could probably do it now um with the Dalton and not to go back to the Andy Dalton situation but with his cap room gone, and the Bengals cleverly negotiate this deal, because by cutting him, the Bengals, I believe, take almost no dead money at all. The Bengals have gone, even with all the money that they've invested this offseason, to having the fifth most cap room mm. in the NFL, which is extraordinary. So they could have used it on John Ross, um, but I think all the smart, a lot of analysts out there, and with any sort of knowledge of the game financially, were saying it would have been... Um, pretty bad value for money, I think, based on what we've seen so far. So, I mean, you, you think it's a right option, Sam? Yeah, I think so. And it's a shame because you so wanted him to succeed because we've seen so many glimpses of what he can do. He's he is like you know he's he's lightning quick. He's a really nice kid. You just want those guys to succeed. But again, we've spoken about it on this podcast a lot. He's so frustrating. Um, I think if it does click, then he's going to be an absolute terror on the field, you know. And who's to say he'll he won't be playing with a chip on his shoulder this year because it's a it's in a, in effect a contract year for him, not for the Bengals, but it's a shot window year for him. I mean, fantastic! That's great for me. I don't care whether I want him to tear it up this year, you know. Good luck to him because I think that's going to be a scary wide receiver room. If you can get John Ross going, um. You know, I, I think you know. Look at look at it. Green, Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Taylor. That's quite a pretty, pretty attractive looking uh, wide receiver room. I think so. It's a shame, but for what he's produced so far, it's been far too inconsistent, and uh, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, like, I literally echo everything you said. I think it's been what, literally. Quite literally, my son. Um, I, I I just think with John Ross, like there's been times when, especially with AJ Green going down in the past and really needing to, you know, someone to step up. And you invested a, you know, a ninth overall pick in John Ross. He was a top ten draft pick, and mm. I think you expect any guy drafted inside the top ten to at least be a solid starter and contributor, at least if not a pro bowler, if not you know, a real great of the game. And he just hasn't been that guy. I mean, if you look at his his stats through the three years he's been with the Bengals, 716 yards. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, that's that's a half a season for a top player in the league. Ten touchdowns, granted. He's been very good at getting his nose in the end zone, but just not enough game time. And obviously he's flashed. 
Um, and I really actually think he'll have a big year this year. I've just got a feeling. I think, you know, with a new quarterback and the sort of galvanised, um, to use that word twice in this podcast, galvanised team yeah. that he's going to be playing for, I, I think he will have a big, big year this year. And I think he'll end up being a really hot name on the property market um, going into next year. Oh, I, you know, I hope so. Because that means we're going to be a good team. If John Ross is firing and he's a really tasty complimentary piece alongside, you know, Green and, and Boyd and Higgins, uh, great. Bring it on. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, You've got to think with John Ross, he's 24. Do you know what I mean? He's a young guy. I mean, he feels yeah. like he's been around the team for a long time. And he's, you know, you almost feel like he, to in a weird way that he's, he's sort of just that he's not delivered and that that might be it for him it's like the guy's 24 oh he's got plenty of time to develop he will yeah he's got a lot of time and if he gets basically that first year was a complete write-off for him and he played a little bit um you know the last two years but if he had a clean bill of health for the whole year i I mean he's a frightening player you Mm. just don't get that speed you see what tyreek hill does in kansas city and you just think if he can replicate that i mean even players with less talent like ted ginn who's been doing it for years in the nfl um, just purely on speed, people like Taylor Gabriel as well. One of those guys that just mm. sticks around because they've just got elite speed and can just, you know, fly past cornerbacks. Like if he stays healthy and you know can cut out some of the errors, he'd be a top player in the league. I don't doubt. Yeah, he needs to be. He needs to get more durable physically, and he needs to more durable mentally as well. He needs to cut down on mental errors. But you're right. If he can come, well, why don't you start coaching him some with that? I'm going to have to have a word. I'm going to have to have a word. Well, you get on a blower to the geese. I will. I will. <laughs> John, here. Look, listen. I know we're on lockdown, but let's do some. Let's do some <laughs> Zoom sessions, mate. Me and you. I'll sort you out. Um, I, I just don't think TJ Hushmanzad is cutting it with him anymore. Like you know, know, he's had all these like top coaches, and they're obviously not getting home to him. And we need a we need a straight talking Brit like you, my son, in his exactly. ear. Exactly, I can sort him out. I can iron he out needs, those. Cruises. He needs to hear it from the hard places. He needs the hard truth. Exactly, and I, from, I, a, man, I you know. from a man that's lived and breathed the hard <laughs> truth. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, good luck to John Ross. Hope he tears it up this year. We've got a lot of correspondences, so let's get to it. Uh, it's all about Andy Dalton to begin with. Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. We asked people, of course, uh, this is not Sam speaking, this is me. Uh, I asked people earlier on Twitter what their memories were of Andy, their favourite memories, and what uh, he meant to them. So this is what he meant to people. Uh, Sam says, I remember in 2011 that I didn't think I'd ever get used to another starting quarterback after Carson, but he soon changed my thinking very quickly. That 2015 season was amazing until the injury, and I think his momentum had really got going up to that game against Pittsburgh. And I really do think the narrative on him could have been a lot different had he been playing in that game. A great man and a really good player who just had unfortunate circumstances not really go his way. I'll miss him for sure, but wish him nothing but the best in Dallas. Um, Jimmy at D Widness. Uh, hello, Jimmy. Um, and his favourite Andy moment is Andy roaring badger, badger, before executing the sneak behind a hatless Russell Bodine. Uh, I is incredibly hard to be out. What, what game was that? Was that against the Seahawks, maybe, in 2015? Um, uh, Rosie, at Rosie underscore May 16. I remember when I was looking into which team I wanted to support, I watched so many highlights of him and Green 
I will really miss that connection. And I think AJ will as well. Um, Rosie, let's hope uh, Joe Burrow steps in and can replicate it. Jamie at Trequart Beast. I think Dalton stood as a Rorsach test for Bengals fans. I always felt that if someone actively disliked Dalton, they weren't worth listening to. Shaw criticised his play, which occasionally wasn't good, but he was a classy guy and did a lot of good for the city. Here, here. Uh, Andrew Dockerell at Dockers77. Those first eight games of 2015, he was arguably the best QB in the league. How different things could have been if he made it healthy for the playoffs? Um, Ross? Uh, you, you forget in that 2015 season, I remember sitting there in the US, I was out there at the time when he, he got injured. Before that, people were talking about him legitimately for the MVP discussion. Absolutely, he, yeah, he was, he was in that conversation. He was a legitimate contender for that for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, Ross, at Burrow to AJ, I got the arse end of Palmer when I became a fan, so Andy definitely holds a special place in my heart. Got to see him at Wembley, which I'll never forget. Wish him all the best in Dallas, and his family deserve it. Andy Dalton, he's one of our own. Uh, Matt Moon at Johio Silver. As for Dalton, see, Matt's got a new handle. You're not even taking any notice of it. No, I was taking notice. I was trying to work out what it was and then decide whether I was going to go a solid handle or not. But I'm, I'm not. I'm just you're not about quite there. Then. Um, Say it again. Johio. So basically, you know, it's like Johio. Joe Burrow, oh, right. Joe Hio, and I think it's like the Hi Ho Silver thing, Joe Hio Silver thing. No, I'm not, it's not a solid handle for me. It's, it's, oh, it's, sorry, it's, it's a, a hard one. It's, please, it's, it's an improvement on what was it? it used to just be at Matt Moon. Didn't yeah, it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an improvement, but it's not in the solid handle category just God, yet. He's gonna be upset with you. Um, as for Dalton, he gave us everything he had. Uh, while here, which is all you can ask for. The 15 hand injury means we'll never know if that was enough for a playoff win or more. I think his recent actions, donations and welcoming Joe, Joe Burrow, when clearly not QB1, say a lot about the off-field Andy. Uh, Richard Dyson at Richard Dyson 84 I don't have much to add what has already been said, but a massive thank you to Andy for giving his all and being a great part of the Bengals on and off the field for the last however many years it's been. Hashtag class act, hashtag who day. Heather Poor at Heather underscore Poor. Uh, he gave my daughter a football at training camp, she remembers. So, again, top guy, always... We Sorry, Sam, we need some bad Andy Dalton stories here. We've got all these amazing stories about his foundation. There, there, there is out, one coming up, don't worry. Him giving out all these stories. We need one of him having like a drunken bar fight and like pushing You're not going to get that with Andy Dalton. He listens to <laughs> he listens to Coldplay and does Pilates. You know, you're not going <laughs> to get a drunken, loutish, sleeping around, bad Andy Dalton. <laughs> we need Andy Dalton DUI with four prostitutes in the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> Be like uh, Breaking Bad with what? What's his name? Um, Walter White. Yeah, that's right. Is his kind of dark <laughs> alter ego roaming in the streets? Hi, <laughs> hi, I'm Bad Andy. Get in the car. With, with it, Andy Dalton's going to be changed by Dallas. He's just going to be in the back streets of Dallas. He's absolutely up to no yeah. good at all. I right? kind of, I'd, I'd be down with that Andy Dalton. I like. Oh him, man, I'd right? love to see it. Yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. But um, 
Anyway, we digress. This this is tri- supposed <laughs> to be a tribute episode to Andy Don. Shawnee at Shawnee one Thing I loved about Andy was the fact that he never blamed anyone else for his shortcomings. You wouldn't find him bitching about his receivers or offensive line, even when it was at its worst. He had respect for everyone and deserves the same. Absolutely, 100% on that one. And the thing I, I, I think one of the most impressive things for me about Andy Dalton is, if he'd had a terrible offensive series where he'd thrown a, a pick six or a, uh, an interception into triple coverage or whatever it might have been, which he, which he did do fairly regularly, not all the time, but, you know, he had those moments... Um, he could just shake it off the next series. He came back more often than not and drove the team down the field. And uh, uh, and I think that's probably my favourite thing about Andy Dalton. He was his ability to shake off bad series and just go again and just keep going and going again. Yeah, I agree. Fully agree. Andrew Townsend says. Um, Ad was one of a kind. Sometimes sportsmen transcend the field of playing. Andy was a prime. Example of this, he has built a legacy for himself that ultimately means he can live his life feeling proud of all he has achieved. I will always remember and look back fondly on the Red Rifle. Nice one, Andrew. Good day. Uh, Duncan at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid angle. Favourite play was the play, uh, play action versus the Redskins at Wembley as he strolled into the end zone. Although the dart to... Uh, uh, TB versus Nathan's team. How is it pronounced? Baltimore was high on the list as well, his receiving T. Farewell, my ginger prince. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 88 would love to thank Andy. Thandy, an obscure comedy reference there. There's no going back. We have a starter. This is really a new day. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Andy was a really consistent quarterback with a f- with a with a bit of luck and a few less injuries, we could have achieved great things. A few AFC North wins and countless great games will always be with us. Like many fans this side of the pond, seeing him in London twice was a particular highlight. Uh, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. A good QB at a time in the NFL when there were a plethora of great ones. That became the reason to criticise him unfairly. At his best, when surrounded by talent... He didn't raise the levels of players around him. That was his biggest slight. But as a pro, as a human, as a member of the community, he was elite and will always be fondly remembered for that. And finally, Stuart Davis at Dutch Bath. Um, Solid handle. As much as there's been a lot of AD love over the past few days, he still failed to take us to a playoff win and didn't perform in many, many primetime games. How much of that was down to AD himself, or the QB coaching, or the front office, or Marvin? Controversial, I know, but time to ask. There we go. Yeah, I think I think it's right. I think it's all well and good us sitting here, you know, clapping about Andy Dalton, and I, I think we should, and I think he's a great guy, and he's achieved a lot, and we have to recognise that. But I think Stu brings up some really, really good points, and... There were a lot of people that are still out there that really didn't think he was the answer here. He wasn't good enough. Um, thought we were wasting our time with him. And, you know, 
it is hard to put your finger on one thing. Was it Marvin Lewis? Was it the ownership and their approach to free agency in the draft? Was it Andy Dorn? Was it the offensive line? Was it the injuries? Was it a mixture of all of them? And I think that's probably the best answer to what it could have been. But I think I saw this on Twitter the other day. Someone mentioned this and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but I thought it was a really strong point. I think the day Andy Dalton took the biggest hit to his career was the playoff loss against the San Diego Chargers. I think the Bengals that year, we had a very, very strong team. The Chargers weren't great. We were at home. Um, I think everyone fancied us to win that game quite comfortably. And Andy really had a bad game. And I think you look back on that game and it was, I really think you have to put the blame, you know, a fair bit of the blame on him for that. And I think that's when people just started getting that whole, you know, the Bengals can't win playoff games. Like, what are they doing? Like, they had to win that one. Like, you know, I think that was the one game that really did um, tarnish his uh, appearance in the national media after that. Well, who knows? I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, that San Diego game, I still have nightmares about that. That, I mean, apart from the Pittsburgh game, obviously, but that was the one, the other one, I think, that you could look at and say, we really should have won that, you know. The two against Houston, probably not. Um, there was one against Houston, though. I remember Joe Goodbury played out a clip of this not long ago. There was like Andy Dalton. I mean, that, one of those Houston games, we were out of it for the whole game. But AJ Green, there was like 40, like maybe less than two minutes left. And we were only down by like six. And I think Dalton, AJ Green had like three steps on his man. And Dalton just overthrew it. Yeah, that that was the other big play Andy, uh, for yeah. me, missed. And that was his, that was the first playoff game. But, you know, yeah. this is supposed to be a tribute, you know, but we're trying to approach things in a balanced way. And, you know, I, I think he, you know, he it had a very good career. But that, like any quarterback, there's there's going to be moments in his career that he wish he could take back. And uh, He was terrible, really, when he signed, let's be yeah, honest. I, mean, I don't even know what we're doing this tribute, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> we do have some other questions. Bengals GM at GM underscore Bengals. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the tight end position. Can Drew Sample step up? Is CJ really starting in the league? Is this a glaring hole? I just... It's really interesting. I was having a conversation with Matt Moon about this and uh, he, he's been really enjoying the watch parties. And this is great for me as well. This is one of the reasons why we're doing it. Is so that Bengals fans who... Who don't really know the Carson Palmer team or the Boomer team or the Jeff Blake team or whoever it might be or the Ken Anderson team can actually watch games and see what those guys were like. And he noticed in one of the Carson Palmer games that they didn't really use tight ends that much. Reggie Kelly was primarily a blocking tight end. Uh, and, you know, um, obviously in Marvin era, we did have... Uh, when Tyler Eifert and J- Jermaine Gresham were, were, were on board, uh, it was they became much more of a factor in the offence in terms of pass catching. Uh, I just think we're going to go back to that kind of blocking tight end thing, you know. Um, it's pretty obvious that Zach Taylor doesn't use tight ends that much, and if they do, it's not quite in the same way as Marvin's. Uh, and certainly Hugh, and J- Hugh Jackson and, and Jay Gruden's offence... Um, uh, did you know? Because as I say, Eifert especially uh, was a real weapon down there. So I don't know. I, is it a gaping hole? It just it just depends on how they're going to use these guys and what their plan is. You know, it's impossible for us to 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 kind of predict. Really, we don't know how they're going to use them. And you see these big tight ends like you know Gronkowski coming back and George Kittle and uh, and all those guys. 
you know, there's nothing quite like it, a big tight end catching the ball out of the, you know, in the flat and then kind of rumbling on for 20 yards. There's, there's, it's quite a unique sight. And I think we've got used to that with Eifert and to some extent Gresham as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It all depends how they're going to use them. And, and the Rams offensive a couple of years ago didn't really use them that often. Uh, even though they, I think it was uh, Tyler Higby last year, I think he got more action. So again, it's it's a difficult one to answer. I hope Drew Sample can step up uh, and CJ's a solid enough player. So we'll see. It's, it's funny with the time room because Drew Sample, I think, was renowned for his blocking coming out of college and it sort of backs up your point as to, you know, that Zach Taylor sort of looking for this sort of Reggie uh, Kelly-style tight end rather than necessarily a prototypical receiving tight end. But, and I also think it exemplifies in the draft. We didn't take a tight end in the first seven rounds, you know, so clear that the Bengals didn't feel that was a position of need. But I think for CJ, like, you, you need to see him step up or increase his production in some way because he's, he's, his salary cap here is quite high. He's at the ninth best player on the team in terms of how much he gets paid. And if you look at his production last year, 242 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, you, you question the you know the value for money you're getting there. So it, well, that I, value it, might come in other ways, though. I mean, there was yeah. a lot. There was a lot of uh, when the Bengals changed their scheme after the Rams game and started to find more success in the running game. CJ was quite uh, an integral part in that, but yeah. in 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 a blocking role. Uh, I, I can't remember. I think it was Matt Minnick who, who kind of focused on that and. There were certainly a few articles by Paul Dana Jr. De- detailing the change in scheme and the fact they were using CJ in a much more precise and focused way, and it seemed to be working. So, yeah, again, I think we're so used to Eifert and so used to seeing tight ends rack up seven, 800 yards, score 13 touchdowns a season, and people question why we don't do it. I think it's just a case of that our scheme doesn't, or Zach's scheme rather, doesn't call for it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, fair, fair play, fair play. Good. Uh, <laughs> Andy Dickinson at Moby D ninety six with the release of Andy Dalton, i.e. salary. What options in terms of acquisitions does this open up? The elusive missing piece on the O line. Listen, I think it's pretty obvious they're not going to go O line. I think it's pretty obvious whatever we think. Uh, they're fairly happy with the offensive line. We just have to get used to that. Um, I mean, there's we've already, as Nathan mentioned earlier, we've already signed a linebacker off waivers. We've still got first pick on waivers if anybody comes into our into our site. So, I mean, there's a chance, isn't there? But certainly the lack of action around uh, offensive line in the draft uh, suggests that they're fairly happy with what they've got. Um, I wonder if we were in the discussion for Trent Williams at all. You wonder if there was any sort of thought to that for the Bengals, because I think offensive line, whether the Bengals want to admit it or not, is still an area of concern. And, you know, you can't have every single position on the team. You know, you can't just be purely confident in that and think you're in a perfect position with it. And I think they might have been looking at that. And the crazy thing, like I said with Dalton, is we have the fifth most cap space now in the league, 24 million um, from what I'm looking at here. And you think, but Jesus, you've got to build it. You've got to build into that rookie contract. So what takes seven, eight, nine million off that? Maybe. Yeah, 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 probably something like that. But still, a significant amount of space to get a good, a good player or a couple of good players in. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that I mean, you know, Andy's Andy's hinting at it, but I think that you know this. There was a really, really interesting uh, podcast to hear that uh, 
hear that podcast growling, uh, Paul Downey Jr. They've been doing a four-part series where they've been interviewing a fan, a coach, a scout, uh, and what else? I can't remember. The interview that they did with Brian Callahan was really fascinating, and Paul followed up with a great piece for The Athletic, detailing, like, really detailing how they went about changing this roster. I mean, it's been completely gutted, and it's actually quite exciting because the, the, the amount of new faces on that team is quite staggering, you know. Um, but, you know, Brian Callan was saying, you know, when we got to Cincinnati, you know, last year was a bit of a write-off. That's what he was intimating because they didn't really know the players. They all came in late, had a ton of in- injuries. Um, they had to kind of use it almost for a plan, not tanking, but, you know, trying to stay competitive and seeing what they had. And he said, you know, we've all come from different teams and we've always thought that this is the... Well, we've always known this is the way clubs build teams. They draft well and supplement it with free agency. Uh, so all this talk about the Bengals behaving out of character was kind of quite shocking to them, you know. So what I'm, my point is, they've been aggressive so far and I, I don't see why they shouldn't. I've not heard anything about Trent Williams at all on, you know, the internet or... My usual rumour sources, and uh, um, but yeah, I, I still think there might be an, an acquisition or two before the the season comes around. Do you, Nathan? What do you think? I, d- I don't think there will, to be honest. I, I don't think there's many players out there really. There'd, there'd be a crop of free agents out there that are probably the sort of guys that will come in when injuries start happening that the Bengals may look to if they lose someone. But I, I think that barring perhaps picking up a few a few guys that get cut when the 53-men rosters um, come into play. I think the Bengals are probably fairly happy where they are. They've, Like you said, they've gutted this roster. They've added a lot of players. They've cut a lot of players in a two-year period. And I think I think any big moves have happened. They've brought in some good players. And I think they will need some of this cap space to look to extensions. You know, there's all this talk about Joe well, Nixon, yeah, yeah. And AJ, Holt of course. Out, and right. John Ross, potentially, if you wanted to offer him a you know, a deal that was, you know, not part of his fifth year option or, and obviously AJ Green, you know, there's some guys there that are going to want to get paid or whatever else. So it's going to, it's going to be interesting, but at least it's a solid position to be in, to have that room available to you, uh, to you and not be up against the wall. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Jamie's got another question. And my question is now, how much is backup QB a need? I want to see us go out and get an experienced former starter, Bortles, Flacco, and then Andrew Townsend as well says uh, another question from Andrew. On the subject of a backup QB, is there any merit in taking one? He will have to learn and adapt to a new playbook designed for JB without any prior knowledge of the previous playbook. Is there an argument for him creating his own style without picking up bad habits from old QBs? Interesting. Um, I'm torn on this one. I mean... If you remember last preseason, I thought Ryan Finney looked really, really good in preseason. Um, showed a lot of, I mean, he had a really poor training camp, but then when he actually got on the field in games, he looked pretty impressive. And then he was so obviously out of his depth when he got thrown into the first team. Um, I can understand why a lot of people are kind of saying this, you know, this guy isn't the answer for a backup, but. I don't know. Maybe that experience has done him good behind a better offensive line. Um, uh, might help. Um, I'm torn on it. I, I, I still don't think they'll sign a a, a veteran QB. Um, and I, I, I can't... There's no sort of scientific backup to that. It's just my hunch, really. Um, a Bortles, maybe. 
I really wouldn't want to sign Joe Flacco, and I don't think he'd come to Cincinnati. Um, so I don't know. I, I would tend to say no. They, they seem quite happy with what it's got. I'm always I've always been a big supporter of Jake Dolagala. That'd be amazing if he came on. Um, but you know, we we we'll have to wait and see. What do you think, Nathan? I think it's tough, isn't it? Because I, I I felt really bad for Ryan Finley last year. I mean, he was a, I think he was a fourth round pick or third or fourth round pick, and you know. He, sh- he really shone in the preseason. He got so much praise. He looked really confident in the pocket. He threw some good, po- you know, some good balls. Mm. hadn't hasn't got the biggest arm in the world, but a very very smart guy that you know was able to sort of move around and make some plays and look quite good. And I think for him, he got we were you know we were we were a terrible team last year and we had loads of injuries. And I think to throw in your third or fourth round uh, pick into the mix midway through the season, you know, outside of tanking, I think in some ways from Zach Taylor, it was a bit of a reckless move. And I think it's probably really shed Ryan uh, Finley's confidence a bit. And he's, an, he's a pro, he'll come back, and I'm sure he'll be eager to prove himself. But I think throwing him in there last year around a team with a sort of crumbling O-line and a real lack of options at receiver was unfair. And I think he certainly, at the very minimum, deserves a chance to compete for the backup spot. And, you know, quite frankly, I hope he wins it. But I do think, actually, I do think that we probably do need to bring in a backup, like someone to sort of at least, you know, for him to sort of fight it out with. And I, I agree with you. I don't think it'll be Joe Flacco. I think the money will probably be too high. And I don't think any Bengals fan really particularly fancies the idea of Flacco in stripes. But maybe a guy that you really sort of think that uh, Ryan Finley could be out. So maybe like a Matt Moore or someone, you know, maybe even like a Geno Smith or um, someone like that that you, you kind of feel that, you know, it's been around the league, has played some games, but you would hope that Ryan Finley could be out and show a bit more than to sort of justify his position on the roster. But you know, you've got to be honest, if we're having a good season and Joe Burrow gets hurt, God forbid it, you will need someone to step in that can play at a high level. We've not seen that from Ryan Finley yet. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting uh, in the preseason or in training camp to just see it, where he is at the moment. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I think, it, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll pick anyone up, but I think it could be one to watch. Um, and finally, Ken Davis, at Ken Davis, two questions. Who, and this is right in your wheelhouse, Nathan, who of the draft will start the first game of the season? Is Randy Bullock good enough, and does he need competition for the kicker spot? Well, it depends how you think the starter. I think T Higgins is going to start, Um Opposite AJ Green with Tyler Boyd in the slot. I think that's the opening wide receiver setup. I think. Uh, uh, well, it depends how they go with with uh, with the linebackers, really. But it's definitely Pratt. Bynes isn't a three-down linebacker, so it could be Logan Wilson. Um, so I think I think the smartman is on Wilson and uh, and T Higgins. I think, and then of course you'll look to build in. Davis Gaither in sub packages, and you'll get uh, Marcus Bailey in there. I think Adenergy would just be if he makes the makes the team, he'll be a, a kind of a backup, and um, Kareem will be will be a rotational piece if that you know. So definitely the smart money for me, T Higgins and uh, Logan Wilson, I think. And what about the kickers? I know that this is a this is a particular position of interest to you, Nathan. Yeah, the thing is that Bullock, I mean, as much as I've been critical of Randy Bullock, and I am in terms of, I just, yeah, I'm not sure it's, by any means, he's a top kicker in the league, but he played well last year. He nailed that one from long. He was accurate and, 
you know, I'd never, I don't think I've ever got too much confidence in him in a big game when we desperately need him to nail the kicks. But then there's only a few kickers in the league that really have that sort of um, nerves of steel ability to be banging them from 50 when you're, you know, the clock's ticking and you're under pressure to win the game. You know, there's not Justin Tucker's out there to just be picked off the street. And I think at the moment, you know, I would have liked the Bengals to have brought in a kicker, like maybe not draft a kicker, but certainly bring one in um, to sort of compete with Randy Bullock just to keep him honest. Um, you know, I don't think he's a top kicker in the league at all, but I do think based on his performance last year, he deserves the job. Um, and we're just going to see how that goes. I mean, like I said, there, there's not an abundance of great options out there for kickers. And I think, unfortunately, he's probably the best option we've got. Um, and until the draft rolls around next year, that you know, you're going to have to wait. But, you know, fingers crossed to Randy. I mean, hats off. He performed exceptionally well last year. There's no denying that. And I hope he can build on it. Yeah, good old Randy. So that's it. We've been waffling on for a long time. Uh, thank you to Marcus Bailey for joining us. That was really great to talk to him, and we wish him the best. And thanks for all your correspondence, as ever. Uh, it's always brilliant to hear from you guys. And, of course, we can be reached uh, on Twitter at Today underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook. Some really lovely messages uh, in tribute to Andy Dalton. And, of course, we do thank him for all the work that he's put in on the field and off it, and we will miss him. Uh, we've become so used to him. But I say it's it's kind of a new dawn, and for both parties, you know, we've got Joe Burrow, and the, the wheel continues to turn, and new heroes are created, and departed ones start new chapters in their lives as well. So we wish Andy, Jordan, and the kids all the best in Dallas, and uh, we'll we'll see him in the, uh, the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> I hope so, son. I hope so. Well, with all that, thank you once again for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll have another watch party on Sunday, so stay tuned for that. Until that moment, it is indeed, yet again, as always, a Who Day from me. And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.